Thank you for joining us for Working Through the Word, a ministry of the Richmond Church of Christ. Let's join our pulpit minister, Mike Johnson, as he brings today's lesson. There's so many facets to a discussion about forgiveness. We can all rejoice that we are forgiven people. So we understand what it's like to need to be forgiven. We understand what it's like to need to forgive at times. And our thoughts today will be directed to that very idea. Our question for the day is this morning, when God forgives, what? What's going on when God forgives? One thing's for sure, it's not hard for God to forgive. It's hard for us to understand that He can. It's hard for us to see that He looks at each of us individually and says that He forgives, but it's not hard for God to give. It is natural. It's who He is. It's what He wants. To forgive, uh, the word used to talk about forgiveness is a word that means to send away to leave the presence, to release. Therefore, we will consider today, when God forgives, how does He release? And then tonight, when we forgive, how do we release? There are so many things that pop up around us in our lives that say, I need to be forgiven. There's so many things that are happening all the time, and we can always be thinking, well, I need forgiveness every single moment of my life. God is a forgiver. Let's begin with this idea. Number one, God is ready to forgive. When God forgives, He does so because He is standing at the ready to do that very thing. The words of Nehemiah chapter 9, verse 17. They refused to obey. They were not mindful of your wonders that you did among them, but they hardened their necks. In their rebellion, they appointed a leader to return them to bondage. But you are God, ready to pardon, gracious, merciful, slow to anger, abundant in kindness, and did not forsake them. The people of God, whom he removed out of bondage in Egypt, made it through the wilderness wandering for about three months, saw all of the great things that God had done for them. Over and over they came to the promised land. God said, it's yours, just go take it. 
Ten of the twelve spies said, we can't do it. They're too powerful and too great. We can't do this. And the people were discouraged. And they appointed leaders to take them back to Egypt. In our language, maybe we would say, they spit in God's face. But God was ready to forgive because God is gracious. Forgiveness is one of His gifts that He offers. He wants to forgive. He is gracious even to people who are not gracious to Him. God is merciful in His forgiving he is able to say, I'm not going to punish you. You deserve it. You should be, but I'm not going to. Because He is a merciful God. God is ready to forgive. Because God is slow to anger. His temper is not his problem. He can wait. He can wait at the ready until someone says, okay, and then he's willing to forgive because his anger has not gotten the better of him. And he is abundant in kindness. As Ron has already said, that's a part of who we are in nature if we are children of God. That's what we're wanting to do is to love the concept of kindness. And God is kindness. He's abundant in it. And therefore, He stands ready to forgive these people who did this to Him. He did not forsake them. He didn't turn his back on them. He didn't destroy all of them, even though at one point he told Moses, just stand over here. I've had enough. You move over here, and, and I'm going to destroy every one of them, and I'm going to start over with you. And it was only at the begging of Moses that God didn't destroy those people. He didn't forsake them. Because he is a God standing ready to forgive. And even though it seems hard at times to know that God could forgive, even though it's hard to think that he will continually forgive, God constantly stands at the ready with His gracious offer of forgiveness. When God forgives, He restores. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray to me, then I will hear their prayer and bring them back to their land. Second Chronicles 7 and 14.
God wanted to restore them. When they continued decade and century after century to turn away from God, and he finally sent one group of them into Assyrian captivity, they never returned. Judah went to Babylonian captivity for 70 years, and then God brought them back, for he said, I want to forgive and I will restore you to the land where you were. Because when God forgives, He restores. What does that mean? God is responding to repentance. Jesus would make the case in Luke 13 in verses 3 and 5, if you do not repent, you will all perish. God wants to restore, but his, his forgiveness is tied to my repentance. He wants to forgive. He's offering it. But he responds with forgiveness to my repentance. Because that's who God is. That's who God is in his nature is. When he responds to my repentance, he forgets in his own way. I've changed my thoughts on this idea of God forgetting. Can God know something and then forget that he knows it? Thank you, Ron Murray. I hadn't considered that before. Listen to what God said in Jeremiah 31 and 34, verse 34. Their sins and their iniquities I will remember no more. Okay, I get that. But then listen to Ezekiel 33 and 36, those two places, he says, their sins I will remember against them no more. God forgets in a godly way. Meaning, the sin has been committed you have repented, and I'm responding to it by forgiving you, but God doesn't wipe his mind clear as though he now does not remember something that he used to know. But rather, he perfectly keeps his mind from holding that sin against the person whom he has forgiven. That's what makes him God. And therefore, he can perfectly say, I don't hold it against you anymore. Boy, that's hard for us to understand because that's not how we do things. That's a hint about what we'll be talking about tonight. 
But God, then when I repent and he forgets it, he also does not overlook anything. It's all on the table to be forgiven. Psalm 103, verse 3, the psalmist said, I am he who forgives all of your iniquities and heals all of your diseases. There's not a person who has been so bad, but that that sin is unforgivable with God. He overlooks it fully, every single thing, nothing left out. Why he even takes note of and clears the thought of the individual who sinned. Acts chapter 8, when Simon the sorcerer saw that the apostles had an ability to lay hands on people so that they could work miracles by the Spirit, Simon wanted to buy that ability so that he too could pass on the miraculous ability to people. And God, through Peter, said, you repent of your wickedness. And pray if even perhaps the thought of your heart will be forgiven. God doesn't just deal with that external commission or omission. But he looks deep inside. And he can even forgive the thought that caused the action. But even though he does all of that, he does not remove the consequences of the sin that he has forgiven. In Exodus 34 and verse 7, God said that he is a forgiving God, but he remembers the transgression of someone to the third and the fourth generation. When sin happens, consequences are set in motion. There are things that flow from sin that is committed. And while God perfectly takes away and releases that guilt from that person, He does not remove the consequences. God says, you still got to go through the pain, the agony that you've caused to yourself. Your family will have to go through the pain and the agony that you have caused them. That doesn't mean you're not forgiven. It just means there's a price to pay. And that makes sense. Even Jesus had to pay a price for our sin.
But when all of that is said, he restores fully. He restores fully. In 1 Kings 8, in verse 34, the prophet said, When they pray, hear, O Lord, and restore them to their land. God doesn't leave us in a bad place, but he restores us fully. He puts us back where we need and want to be. It's a full restoration, not a partial. But then there's this fascinating statement in Psalm 130 and verse number 4. Admittedly, I never recall taking note of these words. There is forgiveness with you that you may be feared. That fascinates me. God has done all of this to restore, taken it away and done all that he's done. And then the psalmist said, it's so that you, O Lord, may be feared. Obviously, it doesn't mean now that you've been forgiven, you can be afraid of God. But the word means and says he did all of this. Let's use a better word. So that you will be awesome. So that the people will stand in awe. I watched the story of a man whose wife and son were murdered by his older son. When it was finally proven, the court said he's guilty, and they assigned him a death penalty. I watched the interview of the father. He fought for 11 years to commute the sentence of death to a sentence of life without parole. And in that interview, here's what he said. I want him to have time to come to know Jesus. I want him to have an opportunity to know that Jesus can even forgive that. And so he went to the prison and he said, I'm going to start with me. And I said, son, I forgive you.
That's hard, isn't it? But that's what it means. I am in respect of that man. You probably are too. And so when God forgives, it produces an awe and a respect. And that's why he does it. God, when he forgives, he is standing ready to restore, but then to remove completely that which has separated me from him. Isaiah 1 and verse 18, Isaiah was in the presence of God and it just overwhelmed him. And an angel flew to him and touched his tongue and said, I have removed your iniquity. What does it mean? In Psalm 65, it means, as the psalmist said, God has atoned for it. Every sin against the nature of God demands a payment. And God atones for it himself. In the death of Jesus, all sin was atoned for. Blood flowing backwards and forwards. In Psalm 32, he covers the sin. Blessed is the man whose sin is covered. It's disgusting to see something ugly and nasty and we want to cover it up. And God, when he forgives, he covers it so that it shouldn't be looked at anymore. And finally, when God forgives according to Psalm 103 and in verse 12, as far as the east is from the west, so far have I sent your transgressions from me. God removes it. When God forgives, it's because he's been standing ready to restore and remove. So what is the point of God forgiving? God is in the business of repairing the relationship that's been broken through our sin. And he wants to put it back together again. And he wants us to desire that. So as God is standing ready to forgive, and when he restores us 
to a position that's better than we're in in sin. And he removes the guilt in our lives. He has released that guilt. And now, in my awe and my fear of him, I should release my guilt from myself because I've been forgiven. It's a whole lot tougher to talk about when I forgive. I talk about what God does and I accept it and I understand it and I appreciate it, but now I need to forgive because we all have that toughness to deal with. We'll talk about it tonight. But this morning, let's rejoice in our forgiveness. Let's stand in awe of the one who continually forgives no matter how many times we stumble and we keep coming to him and we keep saying, and he continues to forgive. If you've not been forgiven, it's only because you haven't accepted it. He's standing ready. Maybe you say, well, I'm not a bad person. Well, as the world rates bad people, there are very many people who are not bad. But they're still lost. Still have not had those sins covered. Still have not taken them away. Still needing to be restored to a relationship with God. Because even though you're not bad in the world's standards, you've committed sin. And it separates. And God wants restored relationship. If you've not obeyed Him, gotten that restoration. Or if we need to help you with that forgiveness, our shepherds are ready. They'll meet you at the front as we stand and sing together. We hope you enjoyed today's broadcast brought to you by the Richmond Church of Christ. We are located at 1500 Lancaster Road in Richmond, Kentucky. We meet on Sunday mornings for Bible class at 9 a.m., followed by our morning worship service held at 10 a.m. Our Sunday evening service is held at 6 p.m., and our midweek Bible study is held on Wednesday at 7 p.m. If you are in the area, we would love to have you as our honored guest. Thanks for listening.